Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 32 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm so glad that you're listening. There are a lot of stories that I want to get into today. I'm recording this on Tuesday, and uh, a lot of things happened this past weekend, a lot of things going on in subsequent weekends, because we've begun to see a bit of a seismic shift in the game right now as we're going hub hopping. Uh, so I'm going to dive right into those, but I hope that you'll, uh, as you're listening or after you've listened, I hope you'll consider sharing the podcast with your friends. I hope you'll consider uh, hopping on to Apple Podcast if that's your uh, platform of choice and you know, giving, re- giving me a review after you've listened to an episode or two. And let me know what you think. You can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter. You can also reach me at a yank on the footy at gmail.com, as well as finding me on Facebook and Instagram at a yank on the footy. Now, ladies and gentlemen, one of the things that I've mentioned this before uh, that I'm trying to do is establish a mailing list to, to send out uh, information to, to people, um, especially the episodes when they come out directly. So that they, they actually go out first to the people who have signed up on the mailing list. So in the show notes that you'll, you'll find here, uh, there's a, uh, like a three-question Google Doc that uh, I'm asking you if you're interested in signing up to get on that mailing list and get the podcast in your email as soon as it comes out. I would uh, you know, love to add you to that list, uh, hoping to do some live broadcasts or some live podcasts here in the near future. So would love to be able to have you on that list and send out a note to you saying, hey, I'm going to be on at such and such a time if you'd like to join me. Now, another week, another set of injuries, and I think everybody that watches the game, that loves footy, felt that one of these injuries was like a gut punch. And uh, it was terrible to see. Um but uh, if you were watching the Suns and Cats game this past week, it was awful to see Matt Rowell go down with that shoulder injury, and you could tell pretty easily that that shoulder was no longer in the socket, that it had popped loose. And uh, it just showed what a gamer he is and you know what he, I think, is going to mean to this game going forward over the next decade or decade and a half, that he's out there trying to put it back into the socket on his own. That's a tough kid right there. That's a really tough kid. He just turned 19 this past week. So that's a really tough young man. And it's uh, it's sad to see that uh, news broke just as I was getting ready to sit down and record that he's uh, getting ready to uh, have surgery on that shoulder and is probably going to be out for three months, which pretty much wraps up his season. So we got a four and a quarter game glimpse of what the future of the AFL is going to look like with Matt Rowell. And I, and I have to tell you, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him going forward. But uh, it was it was great if you happen to watch that Cats and Suns game to see uh, Joel Selwood and uh, Gary Ablett go talk to him after the game. And and from what it sounded like that they're willing to, you know, not necessarily mentor him, but to be a sounding board because he's he's the kind of player that, that could be the next Joel Selwood. You know, that bull in a china shop type player. You know, I read online where it said that he was, uh, that he weighed 172 pounds. He looks a lot bigger than 172 pounds. But uh, it was really sad to see him go down with that injury. And I wish him the best with his surgery and hope to see him back out there 
next March when the new season begins, hopefully. It's also terrible to see Jake Stringer go down. He had a fantastic game this past week, and uh, it's going to be tough to fill his spot in the lineup. And while they don't necessarily play the same position, it does sound like there is good news on the horizon for the Bombers that uh, Joe Danaher may be back by round nine, that his groin injury might might be uh, well enough to allow him to to get back out onto the field. And it, it, that that can only be a plus for the, the Bombers. Now, I know there's been the distraction about him wanting to leave the club, and who knows what's going to happen during the offseason, during the trade period. Maybe he leaves, maybe he gets traded somewhere else. I don't know. And the elephant in the room, of course, is is what's going on with, with Collingwood because Collingwood has had a span of about 10 days that I think if they could do it over again, they would love to do it over again. You know, some people have talked about the uh, the hypocrisy of, of Eddie McGuire, you know, trying to backpedal about things that have gone on with Steel Sidebottom when he was being much more hypercritical of the events surrounding Jack Steven. Again, I've only been following the game for a handful of years. And, you know, Eddie McGuire has his thumbs in lots of different pies, pun sort of intended, and not the way that some people may be thinking about it right now. Um, It's like the old nursery rhyme. Little Jack Horner sat in the corner eating his Christmas pie, stuck in a thumb. Yeah, that sort of thing. Not (laughs) God, I can't even believe I said that. Um that actually meant a heck of a lot more than what I had intended there. So my apologies to anybody that took offense to that, but you know, side bottoms actions or what went on. Supposedly there are other rumors that are leaking out. And again, I'm not going to dig into those because there, there's some things that I've seen on Twitter. It's all unsubstantiated. I have no idea. You have no idea. Steel side bottom. <laughs> sounds like he doesn't even know, but then you've got also the issues going on with, you know, Jordan to as well. And it's, uh, it's really sad to, to see what's going on there. Um, sounds like, you know, his, his history is that he's, he's skirted some issues with the legal system and with the league over recent years. You know, I don't want to dig into that. I'm not that familiar with the Australian legal system. So I don't want to hypothesize or speculate what's going on there because it's certainly not something that I know a whole heck of a lot. Okay, so but suffice to say, the Pies have a lot of issues that they have to deal with, and they've got a lot of holes to fill in the coming weeks. Now, I I mentioned this in a uh, review of another uh, podcast, but uh, I I really enjoyed, uh, and I might even mention this in an earlier episode of this podcast. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a big Adam Trelore fan. After uh, sitting down and listening to the interview that he did a couple of months ago with uh, Nearly Meadows on her podcast, I was, first of all, I think she's one of the best interviewers out there. I think she does a fantastic job. I would love to sit down and talk to her about footy and have her on the show. I've, you know, I've reached out, I've sent a message, but I've not heard anything back. But the way that she dealt with such a plum the issues that 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 young Mr. Trelore was dealing with was just she was so gracious and you can't help but want to pull for somebody like this young man and even though I'm not a pies supporter 
I, I, I hope and I wish him nothing but the best of success going forward. So, you know, that is a, a big, you know, a big plus in the, uh, the, in the pies corner, I think. So while you've got some other people who are off struggling or have done some other things, I think Adam Terlor is, is just somebody that, that players should be gravitating toward because he seems to be such a wonderful young man. Now, you know, we're at a point in time right now where we're, uh, we're getting ready to, uh, start shifting the hubs around a little bit. And as I put in the title of the, uh, the podcast, you know, the last team out of Victoria, make sure you turn off the lights because, uh, if you play Victor, if you play Victorian football, if you play in Victoria, you're not there. Well, some of you are, but you're not playing right now. So the, the 10 teams in Victoria have basically evacuated. They've left. And as of, uh, last night, my time, it looked like the, uh, the head of state in Victoria has shut down or quarantined, if you will, the city proper of Melbourne. It looked like there'd been some postal codes that had been shut down, but now it looks like the entire city is shut down again for the next uh, six weeks, I believe, in order to try to stem the, the tide of uh, COVID-19. Um, you know, so it's, it is really interesting to see what's going on and it's, it's great for the mindset, I think, of of supporters to have footy to look forward to. Even if you're not watching the game in person, just knowing that that game is going to be on television or on the radio gives us something to look forward to. Because let's be honest, folks, 2020, for all intents and purposes, has sucked. There have been so many things that have gone on and not many of them good. So, you know, you've got the cats and the pies, uh, they're going to be heading to Perth after this week. But uh, a handful of clubs moved up to Sydney to play this round. Four of them went to Sydney. Six of them went to Queensland. The Cats and the Pies are going to be heading out to Perth, as I mentioned. They're going to be uh, playing a little round robin with the uh, the Eagles and the Dockers as well out there. Um, you know, Adelaide has, has one more week in Queensland before they go home. Port's going to be playing two more games out there before they get to head back to the Adelaide Oval. And these, these next six weeks are going to be, you know, confusing for us because we don't know what the schedule is after round seven. It may change. You know, there may be some unforeseen things that occur that cause the, the schedule to change even further. You know, where you possibly see all of the teams, I don't know, head back to Queensland again, and maybe you end up with all 18 teams up there. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen? Hopefully that doesn't end up being the case, but who knows? Yeah, but there have been some really gut-wrenching decisions. You know, some players have chosen not to join their club. And there have been a handful with with the Tigers. Uh, Bashar Huli, for one, whose wife just gave birth to their his to their first son. Congratulations to the Huli family. But it's I, I I completely understand that decision that he made. You know, we're in uncharted territory right now. There's no Oh well, this is how it this is how it happened the last time when we were playing and there was COVID eighteen. No, this is this is completely new. This is not something that anybody has dealt with before. So, knowing where this is going to be three weeks from now, six weeks from now, twelve weeks from now, I don't think we really have any idea. Okay, but it's uh it is it's going to be a uh, an on the fly process now. Maybe Basher Hooley joins the club 
at a hub later on. I don't know. He would have to go into quarantine for a couple of weeks before he could participate, I'm sure. You know, he'd have to test negative for, you know, a couple times for COVID-19 before he could play. I, who knows what's going to happen? But it sounds like the Tigers left a number of players at home in Victoria, in Melbourne. So if, and again, I don't wish this happening, but if the Tigers have a rash of injuries, they're going to, you know, that puts them behind the eight ball in terms of, of having enough healthy bodies to play, because I think anybody that would have to leave Victoria to go play in the Queensland hub or wherever they might be heading would find themselves having to go into quarantine for a couple of weeks before they were able to play. So that, that right there could possibly upset the, uh, the whole equilibrium of the schedule. You know, so you might find yourself where the, you know, the Tigers having to have a bye week to allow their players to be cleared in order to play. So I don't know if there needed to be any kind of uh, guidance from the, uh, from the AFL to say, Hey, you know what, take your entire list with you, you know, find things for them to do to practice up in the hubs. There's gotta be enough hotel rooms for them to be able to do that. You know, we're not talking, you know, you know, some small town where you might have a, you know, a small motel on the outskirts of town and that would be it. We're talking major metropolitan areas. They've got to be hotel rooms available for them. And they could make those accommodations. You know, we're at the point in time right here in the United States where uh, the Major League Baseball season is getting ready to start. And I'm going to touch on that in a little bit. Um, but at this point in time, there have been about a dozen Major League Baseball players, including some fairly prominent ones, who have, and as well as a handful of coaches, who have stepped away and said... I'm not going to play this year because of what's going on, because of my concern for my health or the health of my family. I'm going to step away for this year, from this year. There have been a couple of, of major stars, Mike Trout. So even if you're a casual baseball fan, if you've heard of baseball, you might have heard of Mike Trout. Mike Trout is kind of like the all-American boy. He's kind of the, the poster child, the face of Major League Baseball. You know, any. Any, any team that was starting a team from scratch and they were given the opportunity to, to pick a player first to be on their team, I would say probably 90% of them would pick Mike Trout to be their first pick. He's just that kind of a young man, that kind of a ball player. He's, he's expressed concern about playing during this pandemic. Now, he's not stepped away yet, but he, he, he may do that before the season begins. And Major League Baseball is getting ready to, to – they've released their schedule um, – yesterday and it uh you know they play a normally a 162 game schedule so they're playing all the time they've they've abbreviated they've cut it down to a 60 game schedule this year now they're planning on playing in empty stadiums so it's not where they're going to have you know like in queensland where they're allowing fans to sit in the stands at metricon and at the gaba they're, they're playing in empty ballparks okay um yeah, but baseball is 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 a game where, like I said, they play every day. So the schedule is packed. There are not very many off days. You're, you've got a game today. You've got a game tomorrow. You've got a game the next day. You've got a game two weeks from Thursday, you know, and every day in between. So in terms of the weather, that type of thing, you know, they're, they're kind of limited in terms of getting the season in, you know, and, and there's not a whole lot of margin for air. So if there's any kind of a real hiccup, in terms of COVID-19 and that sort of thing, it could completely upend the baseball season here. Um, you know, one of the things that footy has going for it 
is that, you know, should the season need to be extended? And they've talked about this. In Australia, you know, because I, I know a little bit about geography, you know, the, the weather is going to be getting warmer for you as the season progresses. You're moving into spring here. We're moving into fall and then winter. So baseball in winter does not go very well. Playing baseball in the snow doesn't tend to work very well. So, you know, you've also got, you know, the NFL getting ready to gear up and get their season started as well. Training camps are going to be opening up soon. You know, they're hoping to have the season begin on time in the first week and a half or so of September. You know, hopefully this happens. I'm a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan, and I'm looking forward to the season because, you know, the team looks much improved. But realistically, I don't know. I think that the NFL should be looking very closely at how the AFL has handled this. Because, you know, the NFL has 32 teams. Now, conveniently for the NFL, the way they have the teams set up, and I know there are a lot of NFL fans in Australia, but, you know, you have two conferences. You have the American Football Conference and the National Football Conference. And then each of those has four divisions. And each of those divisions has four teams to make up the 32 teams. So the way the schedule works, and I, I linked a copy of the NFL schedule there, is that every year, you know, I'm going to use the, uh, the AFC North, which is the, the conference that the, uh, the division that the Browns play in. You have the Cleveland Browns, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Baltimore Ravens. Well, they play each other twice. So there's, there's you know, six games of your 16-game schedule right there between those, those four teams. So if the league would have to go into a hub, and who knows, that might end up happening here. You know, if they have to put teams into hubs, and that, that hasn't really been talked about a great deal here. Baseball talked about it a little bit, possibly playing at the spring training parks in Arizona and in Florida, but those are, you know, oppressively hot in the summertime. You know, so it's, you know, you've got, you know, you've got 90 degrees and 90% humidity in Florida, and you've got 105 degrees and 10% humidity in Arizona. You know, really difficult weather to play in. But should the uh, NFL have to go into hubs, they could possibly do this because the way the schedule is set up is that you play the teams in your division twice. So that's a total of six games. And then the schedule rotates. It cycles through every handful of years where, as for example, this year, the, the AFC North, where the Browns are, they play against the teams from the NFC East. They play the Giants, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and what might still be the Redskins by the time the season starts. There's talk about the team changing names. Uh, so they play them for a total of four games. And the other teams in their conference, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Bengals, also play those four teams. So there is a, a hub that you could create for those games as well. And then you have them also playing the AFC North, again, the Browns, division playing against the AFC South. So they play the Houston Texans, they play the Indianapolis Colts, they play the Tennessee Titans, and they play the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is the AFC South. They play those four teams. All four teams in that division play them. So there could be another hub. So the way the NFL has their schedule set up, it is a hub-worthy schedule if you think about it. And, uh, that's right there, 14 of the 16 games. Now, the other games, the other two games, it is kind of strange how it works. So like I said, the, the, 
the NFC, I'm sorry, the AFC North is playing against the AFC South this year, meaning that they don't have any games officially scheduled against the AFC East or the AFC West. But here's what happens. Those last two games, the way they have it set up now with the 32 teams, is that, let's say, for, you know, for example, the, the Ravens finished in first place in the uh, AFC North last year. So while they're playing all four teams in the AFC South, they would also play the, for this coming year, they would play the number one team in the AFC West and the number one team in the AFC East from last year. So they would play the Kansas City Chiefs and they would play the New England Patriots. So that's how they fill out their schedule. So there are really only two games out of the 16 that they are scheduled to play that are really not something that you could put into a hub. And if, if the NFL has to redo or revamp their entire schedule, I could see it where they would take those two games and push them to the end of the schedule. Or maybe they put them at the beginning. Maybe they put them at the beginning and realize, you know, and again, their schedule is already set in stone because they've, they've, you know, they've announced, you know, they already know which TV networks are going to be carrying which games all that stuff is is pre-planned. That's already predetermined. But if they have to make changes, well, then they're going to have to make changes. So we might see a situation where, who knows, between now and the beginning of September, maybe the NFL says, okay, you know what? You're going to play your two opponents that you aren't scheduled, you know, that could be in a hub. You're going to play them first. You're going to move those games to the beginning. So, you know, Kansas City, Baltimore, and uh, New England, you're going to go into a hub where you're going to play against one another in a little round robin for a couple of weeks in order to get those two games in. Yeah, maybe they're going to have to do something like that in order to get the games scheduled. Now, I put a link in the show notes, like I said, that has the schedule for this year, but then it also has the the rotation. I put another link on there that has the rotation of how the games are scheduled. So teams already know who are going to be their opponents at home and away for the next I think through 2024, the games are already kind of laid out in terms of who's playing whom. Not necessarily in terms of specific dates. So they don't know that it's going to be, well, the Browns are going to be playing the Cincinnati Bengals on September the 19th of 2023. They don't know that, but they know that they'll be playing them at home. And they'll be playing them on the road that year. And they know which other divisions they'll be playing. So that's not really a surprise. That's not something that ends up changing at all. So who knows what's going to happen with sports here in the U.S. You know, we're just, you know, auto racing has come back. Um, It sounds like Major League Soccer is getting ready to start up again here very soon as well. Uh, But, you know, we shall see. Now, a couple of other things that, you know, that that I noticed this week that I thought were were interesting. And going back to the hubs, I thought this was uh, interesting timing for this, but maybe it was just because they were putting it together. But I did see an article, and I post a link to this in the show notes as well, that they published a COVID-19 handbook for families. The AFL did. And they released this uh, handbook this past Friday as the teams were heading into the hubs. So, uh, you know, if you're an Eagles or a Dockers or a Crows or Power supporter or player, you've got to be thinking, nah, there's no Victorian bias here. Uh, <laughs> But uh, maybe they were putting this book together at the time and just didn't have it ready. But uh, it, it is interesting because it, it's basically it's trying to figure out how to handle. 
and anticipate all of the the issues that might arise with players going into the hubs. They're going to be away from home for an extended period of time because generally, when you know games take place, you know if uh, if St. Kilda is going to be scheduled to go play a game in you know at Optus Stadium against the Eagles, they're going to fly to Perth. They'll play the game and then they'll fly home. They're not. They're not going to be gone for two, three, four, five, six weeks. You know, team might have three games in a row that are not at their home stadium, but they're not going to be away from home all that time. Well, COVID nineteen has turned that on its ear. But what's interesting, and again, I haven't seen the actual handbook yet. And I don't know if they've made that public or not. But they released some of the things that were in it. You know, they talked about uh, advice that they had for the you know family members on how they should communicate with their players, you know, recommending that they not necessarily commute daily or communicate daily by phone, but maybe by text message, you know, because that, you know, having that, you know, hearing the, the, the voice on the phone might lead to, you know, more angst or anxiousness about being away from home and wanting to have people leave the hub and come back. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it referred to, um, the article did that they, they sought out advice from a number of different organizations. They sought out advice from the AFL uh, Players Association, from the uh, from from their mental health service, I should say, from the Australian Indigenous Psychologist Association, from Lifeline, from Beyond Blue. They talked to the Australian Defense Forces in terms of getting advice on how players can deal with being away from home for so long. They also talked to Olympic athletes who've endured, you know, similar periods of time being away from home where they've been at, you know, training at, at, at world games for two, three, four, five, six weeks at a time. Now, I think it's a great idea to get this advice from all these different places, but hopefully, hopefully the AFL is not doing everything that the, the international Olympic committee does, because if you've ever read the stories about what goes on in the, uh, um, the Olympic villages, it sounds like every building you go into, there's just like a, a fishbowl full of condoms that supposedly there's a lot of uh, practice procreation taking place in the Olympic villages during the Olympic Games. And I don't know about you, but, uh, and I don't think they're doing this, but if they were doing that, that would kind of defeat the whole purpose of this whole idea of, uh, of going into the hubs and staying away from the families if they decided to take the IOC's advice on doing something like that. But it, it, it's great that they are looking at, uh, at trying to figure out how to help the players cope with this as well as possible. And, and, and again, I don't think it was, you know, Victorian bias at all. So, you know, if you're, if you're somebody that, you know, supporting a team in, uh, up in Queensland or, well, they were home, or in you know Western Australia or Southern Australia, I don't I don't think that was the intent there. I think this was something that they were compiling as they went along and wanted to get it released as quickly as possible, and they just didn't have all of the documentation ready and all of the research and all of the interviews and you know advice seeking that they were doing. So they had they had to to pull all this information from all these different places in order to figure out how do we best serve these players and their families to help ensure that this is something that does not hurt them in the long run. Now. I, I I know something about this because when I was when I, I served in the United States Navy back in the 1980s on my first cruise, uh, we had a uh, we had an at sea period where we didn't see land for 121 days. 
we were at sea for we were at sea for four months straight. Didn't see land. At that at that point in time, that was a record. Now that record, I believe, has been surpassed. I'm not you know getting into anything that, that I that I can't say here, but yeah, we 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 didn't see land for 121 days in 1983 and 84, I believe. Yeah, 83 and 84. Um, we left uh, the Philippines in like September of 83 and got back to the Philippi- Philippines at the end of January of 84. So missed out on a lot of things. We were supposed to actually visit three places in Australia and didn't get to go there. Now, I, uh, the last uh, news item I wanted to touch on, and I, I posted a link to this article as well, um, this is a, uh, and I, I, I was not familiar with this gentleman's name, and I listened to a couple of episodes of his, the podcast that he does as well. Um, he works, uh, this is a gentleman by the name of Rowan Connolly, and it looks as though he's been involved in covering footy for a long time. But uh, he also is on a website called footyology.com.au. But he published an article last Friday on the, uh, or actually the Friday before, uh, on the ESPN.com.au website that was called Forget Tweaks, the AFL Needs Radical Change. Now, it was really interesting. And, and again, yeah, you, you, you have to keep in mind that, that my, my history of the game only goes back about four years. So again, I'm, I'm learning this game. I'm, I'm to, you know, 63% of the folks that are listening are in Australia. So you've been fans your whole lives. But 30% of the people who are listening are in the United States. And while many of them have been fans for a long time, there are hopefully new fans that are listening that are starting to figure out the game and become excited about it and want to know more about the game as well. But, you know, it looks, you know, like the game 25, 30 years ago worked at a much faster pace than it did today. And in this article... Uh, Mr. Connolly, he outlined some things that he saw as some serious problems that are facing the league. And, you know, he, he, he mentioned that even just, you know, 15 years ago, 2005, and this, this was shocking to me. This was shocking to me. I, 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 you know, just kind of playing it through in my mind, it made a little bit of sense. But uh, he said that, you know, when, when teams were taking the ball out of their defensive 50, so they've, they've recovered the ball, they've taken possession, and teams taking the ball out of the defensive 50 in 2005, they were able to get the ball inside their forward arc 38% of the time. That was in 2005. This year, it's happening at a 19% clip. So basically, one out of every five times that a team is taking the ball out of the defensive 50, they're getting the ball to the forward 50 to have an opportunity to score. And that that was it, it makes sense and and you know thinking about that 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 statistic and as he said that uh, even in in 2010 just 10 years ago it was uh, at 30 percent so it had lost all, it had lost eight percentage points in the span of uh, in the span of five years and it's dropped another 11 percent in the last decade so teams are playing much you know stronger defense the field is getting much more compacted if you will that you've got a lot more people surrounding the ball and uh as he said you know he, he he's quoted in the article saying that that's a staggering decline in anyone's language and as he said in practical terms it means far less running and bouncing the ball and fewer flowing passages of play 
and it means more protracted periods of play in one part of the ground. It means more tackle, tackle, quick kick forward, end quote. And he asked a rhetorical question. He said, which side of the equation sounds more like football as it was meant to be played? The 38% of the time, you know, so basically four out of every 10 times or two out of every five times, if you want to, you know, go ahead and uh, factor your your uh, fraction down to the lowest uh, denomination. Uh, yeah, so two out of every five times you're getting the ball into the forward 50 with an opportunity to score, or one out of every five times. I mean, that, that explains a lot of the, the low-scoring games. It explains a lot of the ball-ups. explains a whole lot of things. So, you know, he said, you know, rhetorically, you know, which side of the equation sounds more like the football the way it was meant to be played? Now, I don't have an answer to this. I don't know what can be done. Um, yeah, so I, I, I kind of grew into the game with this slower pace. This seems normal to me, but, you know, we go back and I see, you know, footage of games that were played in the eighties and nineties. And even in the early two thousands, it, it looked like it was a much more fast paced game. Now there are still fast players here. There are still fast players here, but it's, uh, you know, it just really slowed down, you know, tremendously. Um, yeah, so I don't know if I have an answer for that. I don't know if you have an answer for this. You know, the NFL has done some things where they have uh, tried to make some big changes with regards to promoting offense. They, they want more scoring. So the, the NFL has, has changed the rules over the years to make it much more difficult for defensive players to play defense. You know, you're, you know used to be that you could, uh, as a you know, defensive back, if you're covering one of the receivers, 10, 15 years ago, if you, you, know, you had your hand on that player as they're going down the field, as long as you're not trying to grab onto them as they're actually catching the ball, you could have your kind of your hand on them and redirect them and that sort of thing. You're not allowed to touch them after they've passed five yards from where the ball was snapped. So if they, if they were snapping the ball at the 25-yard line, once they pass the 30, you're not allowed to touch them again. And if you do, it's technically it's an illegal contact penalty. It's a five-yard penalty, an automatic first down. It's designed to have the defenders keep them ha- their hands to themselves and make it easier for teams to score points. It's great for offense, but for old-time football fans who like those you know, games where the two sides are you know, playing a slobber knocker type game, as we would call it here, a uh, little slang there for you, in which you know, the, the teams are, are just really just bashing into one another, which, again, that's another thing they're trying to shy away from is that contact. Um, you know, they've been trying to they've been trying to open this up. So it's not necessarily a good thing. But is there a solution to this? Is there a way to open up the game? And, you know, help to increase that uh, that 19 percent of getting the ball out of the, the defensive 50 into the into the forward 50. I'd love to hear some ideas from you on that. You know, you can you know, you can, re, you know, mention it on Twitter. You can shoot me an email. Um, you can comment on uh, the Podbean app if you want to. But you know, I'd love to hear what you think about that. But it was—I thought those were staggering numbers. It was basically—it's a fifty percent drop in the span of fifteen years. That uh, yeah, it would be fifty percent. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, I'm not a math teacher. Uh, <laughs> but before I wrap up today, I did want to get into my tips for the week. Okay, because uh, yeah, these have become legendarily bad. Actually, I think I got eight out of nine the week before. This week, I got five out of nine. So not great. Now, as much as it pains me to do this, first game of the week, Brisbane and Geelong. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you'll know I'm a Geelong supporter. 
And I am picking the Lions in this game by 12 points. I apologize, my fellow Cat supporters, but this is, to me, a, uh, a, a prime opportunity for the Cats to have a letdown game. Brisbane's playing fantastically well. They just got done knocking off the number one team on the ladder. They are scoring almost at will. And the Cats are coming off of a hugely significant game with uh, Gary Abbott's 350th and uh, Joel Selwood's 50th game, um, as well as Jack Henry's, I'm sorry, uh, Joel Selwood's 300th game and Jack Henry's 50th game. And that's not necessarily as significant, but it's still a milestone. And I I think that, unfortunately, this is a, a game where they could have a letdown. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I, I'm i a Cats supporter. I hope the Cats win. But I think that the, the that the Lions are playing at too high of a level for them right now. And maybe maybe this is a uh, grand final preview, quite possibly. And, of course, then I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, the Cats, I'm hoping the Cats win this week. But uh, I, I just really think this is a game where if they fall apart and they don't play well, I won't be shocked by it. And again, I hope I'm wrong. I completely hope I'm wrong here, but I, I think Brisbane's going to win this one by a couple of goals. Now, Collingwood and Hawthorne, I've got I've got the Pies winning this one by eight points. And I got to ask a question: Is there a team in the uh, out of the ten in Victoria that's happier to leave Victoria than the Pies? I think that going into into the hubs might be the best thing to happen for this club. It's going to allow them to focus on footy. It's going to allow them to come together as a team with the players who are there, and they're, they're missing some right now. Um, you know, I think even without uh, having side Bodman to go in the in the lineup, I think that they are still a stronger club than the Hawks. So I've got them winning this one by eight points. And uh, moving on to the next matchup, uh, St. Kilda and Fremantle. I've got St. Kilda winning this one by fourteen, and St. Kilda is is just been scoring the ball at a frenetic pace, and and they're becoming an exciting club to watch. And I think they're going to be able to outscore the Dockers. You know, the Dockers, you know, played well against Adelaide this past week. And they might be getting Nat Fife back uh, in their starting 18 this week from their, his hamstring strain. But I, th- I think St. Kilda is a better club right now. So I've got them winning this one by a little more than two goals. And then we've got uh, two teams who are playing, I believe, their last round in a hub, West Coast and Adelaide. And uh, I've got West Coast winning this one by 20 points. And, uh, you know, the Crows, they struggled to find the goal, the goalposts last week. They had a lot of opportunities and hit a lot of behinds. They played pretty decent defense against the Dockers. They had a pretty good defensive game. I don't think that's necessarily going to help this week because I think the Eagles might have rediscovered their swagger this past weekend. And I think that they're going to, to win this one by at least three goals. Okay, and I think they're going to leave this hub on a high note. They're going to get on that plane, you know, and make that happy trip back to to Perth. Uh, So I I think that the West Coast goes ahead and and takes this one. Now, Gold Coast and Melbourne. I've got Gold Coast winning this one by 10 points. And I had that 10 points even before the announcement that that Matt Rowell is going to be uh, missing up to three months. And that's, you know, like I said, it's really sad that that's the case. The Suns are an exciting club to watch. They really are. That you know the that young man uh, King playing full forward for them, tall forward for them is just 
is I say, is just a, a phenomenal player. I think he's gonna he's gonna grow into that position and become extraordinarily successful there. Uh, yeah, I think they showed some moxie against the Cats. They hung with them. That first half, they 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 lost this this the kid who's supposed to you know, arguably be the savior of their club. He gets he gets taken out you know halfway through the first quarter, and they hung with the Cats for that entire first half and really into the third quarter before they kind of ran out of gas in the fourth. Now they've had a week to 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 recover to realize you know that they're they're not going to have uh, number eighteen in their lineup. And they're going to figure out how to compensate with uh, without him. Now, you know, I think they have a lot of confidence. Okay, and and the D's, quite frankly, they're scuffling. They're you know, but the D's have a lot of talent. If Melbourne plays up to the t- the level of their talent, then I think they can beat the Suns. But the question is, are they going to do that? And and I I don't know. So right now I'm going to play the not necessarily the hot hand but the warmer hand here, okay? I've got Essendon beating North Melbourne by eight. You know I think the Bombers are definitely going to miss Jake Stringer in their lineup. Who you know, again he may be gone for the bulk of the rest of the season as well. They're playing with a great deal of confidence as well, and uh, you know they're uh, they're going to go ahead and take this game and uh, and beat the Ruse. Okay, again by eight. Now. Probably the second game of the week, if you will. Okay, I think that the, you know, the the Lions and Cats game might be the 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 one big game. The second one this weekend, I think, would be uh, Port Adelaide and GWS. And I've got Port winning this one by six points. This one's a toss up. Okay, I had to pick somebody, uh, and I think Port wins this one. They bounce back after getting thumped by the the Lions. They've got one more week in the hub after this. You know, I, I, they're playing a really good GWS team. Okay. And I think it's, like I said, I think it's going to be a toss up and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the giants come away with this one. So this one, I may be, I may be wrong on this one. And I'm, you know, cause I'm not saying this with any sort of confidence. I don't, I don't have a clue. I'm speculating. I'm hypothesizing. So I think port takes this one, but I won't be surprised if it's a giants. And then on, on to the next game, we've got t- uh, two more games this round. Sydney and Richmond. I've got Sydney winning this one by 10 points. And the Tigers, they did bounce back. They had a 20-plus point victory over the Ds. But they've got a lot of injuries. They have several players that did not make the trip to the hub. You know, And I think you know by the time the season is over and things start to stabilize, I think that the Tigers are going to claw their way back into the eight. But I don't think this is a week that that's going to be the case. There, you know, this is a kind of a transitional week. You know, Sydney's been playing, you know, some okay football, but I think Richmond's going to, you know, have to adjust to being away from home. <laughs> that's kind of a pun there, or kind of a joke there. Uh, but uh, it's it's. Uh, I think this is a week where Sydney's able to get a win from them, and then the last game for the week is Western and Carlton. And again, to me, this is another toss-up. I've got Western winning this one by seven points. And, uh, you know, they've had some injuries. Uh, Hayden Crozier's uh, one-game ban was upheld. Yeah, I think that the Bulldogs are still a, a slightly better team at this point in time. Yeah, so unlike the, you know, not unlike the, the, the Port and GWS game, if, you know, the Blues end up taking this one, I wouldn't be surprised. But I'm, I'm right now I'm picking uh, Western to take this one. Okay, so those are my tips. You know, you'll have to let me know how you think I did. Am I flat out wrong? 
did I anger you about picking against your club? Are you happy I, I chose your club? You know, I hope you enjoy the games. I hope you have a terrific week. And don't forget that you can uh, you can find all of the episodes of this podcast at a yankonthefooty.podbean.com, and you can also find it on your favorite podcast provider. Okay. Now I hope you'll consider giving me a review on Apple Podcasts. It lets me know what I need to work on, what I'm doing well, and it lets the podcast host know what you think of the show. Now this past week I uh, was I looked at the the charts, if you will, and uh, for the previous week. Uh, I was, I'm kind of fluctuating around there in terms of the charts, in terms of which, which uh, podcasts are being listened to. So it's pretty, it's pretty exciting news there. Um, you know, you can also reach me at e- on email at yankonthefooty at gmail dot com, on Twitter at yank underscore on, and on Facebook and Instagram at yankonthefooty. I also want to thank Joseph McDade for the use of uh, a couple pieces of his music. Yeah, he's created some fantastic music. I'm using Elevation and Backplate. You can find his music at josephmcdade.com slash music. Again, sir, thank you so very much. Uh, those of you who are interested in getting on that email list, I hope you'll go to the uh, the show notes and complete that email form. Okay, it just takes a couple of moments. I'm not, uh, I'm not, you know, going to bombard you with emails right now. I'm simply sending out uh, the issue or the episode of the podcast as it comes out. Uh, ladies and gents, I want to thank you for listening. You know, we're fans of our clubs, we're fans of our teams that, you know, deep down, this is a game that we all love or we are falling in love with if you're just starting out in the game. Okay. And for those of you who are watching the games in the U.S. or in Canada, don't forget that Australian rules football, it's why they invented the DVR. Again, ladies and gents, thanks so very much. And I ask that you share this podcast with your uh, friends and family and may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. This has been episode 32 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at A Yank on the Footy. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening, and please consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. Goodbye. <laughs>